Hi everyone, and welcome to When Your Heart Falls Out of Your Head. On this episode, I had this pleasure of speaking with a very inspiring young woman who is a successful tattoo artist, but has gone through some very interesting experiences to get there. One being being fired for being gay, and also her experience working as an exotic dancer. So without further ado, here is Fritas Monaco. There's so many things that I want to talk about with what you told me, but we can start with... Um... I'll come back. It's fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> when you were a nanny or babysitting? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What happened with that? What was um, the deal with that? It might not be fair to say I got fired, but I definitely got ghosted, which mm-hmm. I guess in turn means I got fired. Yeah. But... Um, I started nannying for a very large family, um, and it was very much a situation where, like, they were white people who had adopted a black kid and were, like, fostering and, like, not taking care of their hair, and, like, they had, like, lots of kids. It was, like, eight children. Yeah. Um, I took care regularly of five of them. Mm. Um, Like, I want to say Monday through Friday, or Tuesday through, like, four or five days a week, Mm -hmm. I was taking care of them. I was using my gas. We did one activity a day where we would go to the star, or we would go to the library, or we would go to the pool, or we would do trampoline, and, like, we would also, I would clean their house, and, like, they told me several times before they found out my sexuality, I was the best babysitter they ever had. I was getting paid $10 an hour to take care of those goblins, mm. and that I actually, I shouldn't call them goblins. <laughs> I actually I... like them a lot, <laughs> but that's my term of endearment for ch- children, let me, let me reiterate there. <laughs> Um, and I just, I, I really, I really loved them. And then I got engaged and I knew that they were a religious household mm-hmm. and I just knew it wasn't something I wanted to bring up with. And one of the kids was like 15, mm-hmm. 14, 13, 13 ish, 14, okay. old enough to like notice an engagement ring on my hand. So I'd been taking it off yeah um, and leaving it in my car or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I forgot one day and I started doing the dishes. I noticed it and I go to take it off. She spotted it. She was like, oh my God, super excited. And was yeah. like, show me a picture of him. What does he do? What's his name? This and this and that. And I was like, I just lied. And yeah. I was like, his name is blah, blah, blah. And he does this. And I like, you know, my, my wife's a little bit masculine, but I didn't have any pictures of, I just knew that the girl would know if I was like, oh, I don't have any pictures, that it would be weird. So maybe this wasn't a good judgment, but I like showed a picture of my wife very quickly because she's very masculine. Yeah. Where it was like, mm, it could be a guy. Right. It could be. <laughs> um, unfortunately, she's very well endowed. <laughs> and the girl was like, what is wrong with his chest? And I was like, <gasps> nothing, 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 nothing. And I just closed my phone and I was like, nothing's wrong. It was just like the way the shirt was wrinkled up or something. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. So I texted the parents and I was like, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm engaged. It's to a woman. Right. I have not told your kids that because I don't want to expose them to anything. Because I already knew if I was like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. married to a woman and it's fine. You can love who you want. That already would have been like, no. Right. Um, and that would have made me lose my job. So I was like, I can continue telling them I'm with a man. That's totally fine. But I wanted you guys to have a say in like what you expose to your kids. Right. Um. <clears throat> And they were like, it's okay, you know, congrats, um, we'll talk about it later, mm-hmm. um, and, we'll, you know, we'll get back to you, but for now, like, yeah, do what you're doing. 
and I come to work the next day and homie, the dad, <laughs> homie, the dad is like, Hey, will you come talk to me in, um, the older child's name? Yeah. Um, in the garage. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Already I'm being made an example of by bringing the older kid into the conversation. Um, and he pretty much was like this, I, I'm going to say her name was Ashley just just to make it easier mm-hmm. you know ashley has you know friends who think they're gay and like that's fine and all and like we just don't want you to like bring it into the house and i was like what do you want you don't want me to bring my gayness into the house i'm sorry like what do you how yeah. do i do that i just am gay. but i was like i totally understand and i respect that that's why i had the conversation i had with you which is why i don't understand why you're bringing you know ashley into it yeah is be- that's how i knew i was yeah. so i'm pretty sure that day they were like packing to go to the beach um, and the dad kind of hung around the house while I nannied anyway, which is like, why am I here? Yeah. Um, your oldest kid is 14 and you're here. So yeah. like, anyways, I, I would, um, I packed, I like did a bunch of laundry. I packed all of the boys shit or like, I, I, I like at least got it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there getting, I was, like, nonstop working all day trying to get the laundry done so that they could, like, have everything they needed to go to their little beach trip. And they're like, okay, cool, we'll see you on Tuesday or, like, my regular returning day. And, um, Tuesday comes along and I'm like, hey, I'll be heading there in a minute. Can I get you guys anything? And she was like, oh, we haven't come back from the beach yet, um, but we'll let you know when we do. And, like, Thursday rolls around. I hadn't heard anything. I'm like, hey, what's up? Heard nothing. Mm. like and this is the day of course i got like talked to in the garage and like strung about yeah. like a gay little freak <laughs> oh my gosh. um and you know i i'm like with eight children one of them is gonna be gay <laughs> i'm I gonna mean, be tattooing one of them one of these <laughs> days and i'm gonna put my sin all in their skin man like <laughs> but um yeah so that was that was that. That's how I lost my um, nannying job. But wow, yeah. So from there, you went into stripping. I did. Okay, so how did you find yourself doing that? Um, good question. I had a an ex friend who like kind of started there as a bartender, and a couple like buddies who had been dancers or had started dancing mm-hmm. um, and I actually started there as a door girl mm. um, taking um, membership cards taking money to get in um, and like doing the button to open the door oh, oh, so okay. official yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I was the bouncer <laughs> um, little me but and then I started bartending which is funny because at the time there's no alcohol because it's a full nude strip club. So I'm like bartending alcohol free champagne and Red Bull and cigarettes and snacks and stuff. (laughs) And just like making a bunch of tips. Wait, I'm wondering if bartending at that club, is it more so just giving out like singles or is it actually it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of that. Um, it's, It's a lot of giving out singles. It's a lot of occupying the men that literally just come there to hang out like they don't really want to dance they don't really want to watch the girls dance they want to be in the environment where there are a lot of pretty girls but they're just chilling like it's just their spot and i actually had a few people that like i really liked being around because they just they they, i don't know they were they had good club etiquette 
Okay. Like, like yeah. they're just good there to chill. What's good club etiquette? Oh, there's a lot. Okay. Um, don't go and sit and watch stage dances if you're not going to tip. That, don't touch okay. girls on stage. Mm. Don't blow on a girl's vagina oh. while she's dancing on stage. That's a thing? Yeah. Okay. Don't ever try to stick your fingers in an article of clothing, like, even if it's, like, grabbing the side of the underwear, like, yeah. pulling at the back of the rug. Don't do that. Um, and at this club, you know, it really depends. You have to, like, either ask or look around and figure it out. Like, it's okay to touch while getting a lap dance. Yeah. But it has to be, like, all outer, like, hip, thigh. It can't be any, like, inner thigh. And, you know, they can touch your breasts, too. Yeah. But, like, no kissing, no, like, it's just, like, pretty much, like, yeah. teenage flashbacks. I'm curious about, like, your mentality going into it. Like, were you scared at all? Like, were you, did you feel coerced into dancing because you said that manager or the owner, like, convinced you? Like, what were your, like, how did and, you feel about it? <laughs> in retrospect I do feel like I was maybe a bit per- like coerced into it it was definitely my choice and I uh, of course coercion also comes with money mm-hmm. like that was a big part of it too I really needed something that was flexible that would you know pay the little extra I need and then some yeah um <clears throat> because working at a coffee shop and then being an apprentice for free and like needing a job that could where I could make my own schedule to make that extra money was like a big deal. And like, this was before I was able to do anything like door to door dash or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I, yeah. So I felt like I was like, yeah, I'm like going to finally own this awkward body that like has, you know, become something that I perceive as attractive. Um, now that I'm like, I've grown into it, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about it. And then I like, the day I went up, showed up for my first shift, I was like terrified. I was like, yeah, like finding out that like most of the girls were like, no, you have to like take your underwear off. Like you can do your first dance or so. Like that was what really, I think, set it off for me because I was like, I'm okay with people seeing my boobs, right? I think, um, but like <sighs> a vagina is <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such an intimate part of myself and like like. You know, I've had some sexual partners, but not many people have seen my vagina, like under 10 for right. sure. And yeah. now as a stripper, like hundreds of people have seen my vagina. Yeah. So I'm like, good for y'all. But it was hard for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I was um, And I was scared about the girls. Yeah. Um, there being like, oh, stupid baby stripper. Mm. Um, so I actually ended up keeping to myself for like several months. And then finally, I remember, like, four or five months in, I, like, smoked a joint in the locker room or something or, like, did a shot with a girl back there. Because, again, we didn't have alcohol at the club, so, like, bringing alcohol in technically wasn't, like, allowed. Um, And I, like, I think I took a shot or, like, smoked a joint or did something that people didn't think I would have done. And I had a girl look at me and be like, girl, I totally thought you were a snitch until now. And I was like, no wonder y'all were being so cold to me. Yeah. I just didn't want to, like, step on anyone's toes. And also, I found out after being there almost a year that the locker space, so there was the front locker space, and then there was, like, a bathroom dividing it, and then the back locker space. Back locker space was for seasoned, like, girls that had been there for a while. And the manager was like, take this back locker, and, like, didn't say anything to the girls about it. And so they were like, 
who the fuck is she? Like oh. in our like seasoned dancer space. Yeah. And like no one wanted to give me like tips or really open up to me. There were a couple girls that were super sweet. They were just like, don't worry about it. They'll warm up to you. But like, and now having been, being a, been a stripper, I get the protectiveness mm-hmm. of, of the industry. And I want to say it's not even like, Ooh, like we don't want you here. Hiss. You're going to take our customers. That, mm-hmm. that could be part of it. But it's like, I think part of it is like, it changes you and you're kind of like on defense because you're like you're about to watch this person go from like oh my god I'm so excited to be naked around you guys to like something different Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to explain it but it's not exactly the same you perceive the sex industry a completely different way once you've lived in it yeah it's like an art it's an art interesting yeah it's an art performing a different persona every night like yeah it's exhausting um I yeah, I can only imagine. Some people thrive on it. Um, I think there were definitely weeks where I did and weeks where I couldn't even pretend. So I just sat there chain smoking mm-hmm. and ignoring everyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's important to talk about the negatives that come with sex work as well because I think yeah. it very much can be and I have seen a trend where people are like, no, I mean, yeah, it's great to have this X amount of money. But these are some of the things you have to prepare for. And I've just now started seeing that where like from from a few creators where they're like, just so you know, mm-hmm. this is no joke. Like I've had these terrible things happen to me. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I might have $150,000 in savings. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> um, but like I'm still paying for it emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, again, just now seeing that after a big wave of like, this is what I make in one one week stripping yeah. in LA. And it's like something crazy, like $40,000. That's not realistic. It mm-hmm. happens. It does. Never happened to me. Mm-hmm. The most I pulled home in a night was maybe a couple thousand, which is incredible for the way I was living at the time. Like, yeah. Um, and the small town strip club that we have. Um, yeah. It's just not realistic. And it gets these girls super excited to, girls or people in general, um, to, to be a part of something where they're not going to be treated well. They might not even be protected by the people they work for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really anything can happen. Yeah. You can fall into anything. So, Do you feel like the club itself was safe or dangerous? Or do you feel like there's just like other... When I things? worked there, it was not safe. Mm. Um, it was not particularly unsafe, but... There was definitely never a time where I walked in there and I was like, nothing bad will happen to me today. Mm. Like, ever. Um, Because as much as you have a no-weapons policy, like, we didn't have, like, from what I remember, we didn't have, like, metal detectors. Right. Like, and all it takes is you, you know, affirming yourself and, like, standing up for yourself in a certain moment for a guy or anyone to be like, well, fuck you, I'll fucking kill you. Like, oh. that's just what men do. Yeah. That's just the reality we live in. I'm not saying that that yeah. has, like, happened that I know of since I did it. But, like, you know, it's it's a reality that you yeah. have to live in. Sex workers are found dead all the time. And, you know, we're not... I, at least, wasn't an escort doing private events or anything. But, like, it's mm-hmm. still... I could have gone to my car one night or been followed home. And there were a couple nights where I was like, shit, I think I am being followed home. Mm. So... That could have been paranoia. I could have been hyper aware, but 
it's a scary thing. Yeah. And I, I have had something horrible happen to me stripping. So, like, it's it's terrible. Um, yeah. It's just something you got to be aware of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's it's not possible, um, but I, I, I am saying it's, like, you got to have a mindset of, like, I can stand up for myself. I can protect myself. I am confident in my boundaries and not putting yourself in a situation that is not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think that, like, that environment or that experience of being in sex work changes you in a way that, like, you don't come back from? Like, you were saying, like, how, you know, you'll see dancers go from, like, oh, I'm so excited, and then there's, and then it's different, and you feel like maybe something's lost there that's not coming back, or, like, what do you think um, Yeah, I think that, like, really bright, bubbly, like, this is going to be the most empowering and perfect thing ever, and I'm going to make so much money, I think that never comes back, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. There's definitely some kind of, like, hauntingness that comes from like selling um making money that way I don't want to say selling yourself because everyone does that but um Mm -hmm. it yeah I don't I don't know if it's something to recover from or like that you you would have to like come back from but it's definitely you're never going to walk the streets the same way Mm. I feel like um there's always going to be that underlying and and I feel like as female body people in general, we are already like hyper aware. But when you're actively putting yourself in an environment where you are perceived as a sexual o- object mm-hmm. and like you're not seen as a human. And I was seen as Olive, mm-hmm. not Freitas. Right. I was Olive. Like, who is who's Olive? Right. She's no one. She's someone I want to have sex with. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all it was. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm sure some people can. Some people can be like, stripping was the best. And, like, there are definitely days where I'm like, oh, I miss just dancing for work. And, like, I was so fit. And, like, yeah, you know, I felt really hot sometimes. But it's, it's that's it Yeah, for me. Um, I like the sisterhood from it. I'm like, is it a job where if shit hit the fan, like, I would do it again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Not, not at that club, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to do some digging around yeah. to see if it, it was a place I'd go back to. But um, what is um, something other than what we talked about that you're actively working on right now? Um, like within myself? Yeah. Yeah. Within uh, yourself or externally? Hmm. Good question. Uh, at the moment, I was I was kind of working on the um, being more present, like living living mm-hmm. in the day. Other than that. Um, Obviously, I'm still working on a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, um, I personally am working more on... I'm excited about what I've been working on business-wise because with boundaries in interpersonal relationships, I'm also setting crazy boundaries with my business life, which is very mm. new territory for me. Yeah. And like the situation I talked about that happened earlier today like that's one of the situations i've had to put like a heavy like no this is not something i'm doing and like i've gotten pushback for it yeah but i i'm learning to not give a damn whereas last year maybe even six or eight months ago i would have been like oh my god i care 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. I care about my clients very, very much. And but I, the thing is, I can't like care about them in the capacity they deserve if I'm burnt out. Right. Um, so I've been really excited about how I have started looking at work, like how I view it. Um, yeah. And I'm very privileged to be able to do this, but like. I don't necessarily feel the absolute need to work a five-day work week anymore or to work from noon to nine o'clock anymore or mm-hmm. like I am making time for myself. I'm mm. s- I, have, I have a personal trainer now. Ooh, I know. I know. Me, me. Um, she's a cool gal. She's just starting out. But like I, I've been making time to wake up early again because after my heart surgery last year um, – yeah, I had a heart surgery oh last gosh. Christmas. It was minimally invasive, no biggie, but I was very sick and yeah. probably not close or not far off from like oh, wow. hitting the hitting the dirt. Yeah. And not in the the fun southern way. <laughs> <laughs> not in the true blood way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> No, like, I was very sick. I was probably the thinnest I'd ever been, and on my six-foot frame, 130 pounds is very small um, because I couldn't eat because the heart medicine I was taking was making me sick, but the doctors were telling me it was a bunch of different things that was making me puke. Mm. Couldn't hold my food down, and then I couldn't hold my heart medicine down. So I would, oh, like, no. be starving, basically, and dehydrated and not able to hold down my heart medicine and then go into cardiac arrest because I didn't have... Or not... Cardiac arrest isn't the right word, but have really horrible heart moments, um, horrible arrhythmias and stuff to the point where maybe I would have, um, if I had like probably died if I hadn't been taken to the ER, um, because once you're so dehydrated, you can't even keep water in your belly. Wow. Um, and then once my body personally gets dehydrated and has no electrolytes and has no food to process, my heart like seizes. Um, or that's the issue yeah. that I had. So they yeah. basically severed a nerve that um, kind of like calms down that seizing. It's not gone. Right. But I don't need to take the medicine that was making me horribly ill anymore. Wow. Um, and like I feel it sometimes, but it's nowhere near as intense. Like I remember waking up in the mornings and like going to use the bathroom and sitting mm-hmm. on the toilet and like feeling like, you know, those poops that make you kind of feel sick anyway. Yep. Like it would be like. That, but also, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. I would have to, like, take all my clothes off and, like, put cold rags on my neck to, like, try and slow things down. And, like, I was like, I'm going to die on the toilet one day. Like, I was so... In the Christmas of last year, or I guess 2021, 2020 now, I, like, was like, if I don't make it to this surgery I'm not sure how much more my body can take kind of thing like I probably would have been okay for a while but Roanoke doctors versus the Mayo Clinic I went to very very different Roanoke doctors were like it's your you smoke weed that's why you're puking like you've grown Mm. this like weird allergy to it and like um so yeah I was getting really fit right before I got sick and then I got sick had the surgery started working out actively after the surgery like I was like, well, I'm already small, so I might as well get some muscle definition, right? (laughs) Um, And then I bought a house with my wife, Mm -hmm. completely threw off my schedule. Um, The closing date got pushed back. Dude, buying a house is terrible. And being independent contractors, which both my wife are, we had to prove every 
deposit that ever came into our account. Mm. Um, like, so if anything came in or left, we had to like update them yeah. and be like, this came in because it's a business transaction. Like all my money comes straight to me after a tattoo and, and, and I then pay out oh, a rent okay. of sorts right. to, to my boss. Um, so I had to explain all of that. They were like, you can't be on the loan. No, now you have to be on. So two months go by mm-hmm. of us living out of boxes because we thought we were going to close yeah like two months ago um had no space to work out didn't have the energy was so frustrated at this point didn't even know if we were going to get the house at this like Mm -hmm. already told my landlord he had already found someone to take our spot i have pets like if i didn't get this house like you know i would have been shit out of luck yeah um so yeah completely lost my routine um hadn't gotten back to it until it's been like six or seven months since i been in the house and like now i'm creeping back into uh, yeah. a healthy workout routine that was a very long-winded story about no. why i have a trainer again but yeah no, i like, needed motivation i get you i totally get it because not the same thing not as extreme of circumstances but the we got married last year and then we also bought this house around the same time yes. and like it's just been it was tough because that's a lot my husband he works for himself and then I was the only one on the loan and it was just like all these and then we yeah. also bought it off market because we didn't use a realtor and it was just it, wow. <laughs> it was so much and I'm like I'm also planning a wedding and I felt like no. I was losing my mm-hmm. mind I would have like, never <laughs> done two at the same time I have planned a wedding and now bought a house in completely separate years and you know my wedding got canceled because mm, it was yeah. uh, April 2020 um uh, and that was like right in the like I had to cancel it two weeks before we like shut down basically I was like it obviously isn't gonna happen and then we shut down shut down yeah um so yeah having planned a wedding and buy a house if that had happened like aligned at the same time for me mm-hmm. I would have given up on one or the other it was it was I felt so raggedy <laughs> and like I just I remember feeling so like upset because like I'm under like a lot of stress and like I had like yeah. started a new job and like my That's too much where I ordered my dress they ordered my dress a size smaller than the one that I tried on and I also gained weight because oh, I'm so no. stressed and so I was like <laughs> walking around in trash bags like I gotta get this yeah <laughs> They had, like, two people had to be like, suck it in! <laughs> it's like that, that moment in White Chicks where they're trying to put those pants on. like, well, I need a bigger size. It's just like, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what it was like. I had, like, two pairs of shapewear on just to make it down the aisle. <laughs> well, I've seen pictures and you looked great. Well, that does it for this episode. Uh, Be sure to catch my other podcast with my co-host, Mary-Kate White, called Twee Girls, uh, also available on Spotify and Apple. Thanks for listening.